please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we ask your blessing upon this time, that having heard your word, we might reflect upon it, and that we might continue to draw nearer and grow closer to you through our hearing of your word this day. I wonder if you've ever met anyone who tries to ignore bad news. Do you know those people? I, I know one of them a little bit too well. You see, I've always avoided the bad news. I've tried to deflect, always pivot to good news instead. This was especially true when I was growing up, if I was ever in trouble at home. But it's also been true throughout my life when I've been with others experiencing difficult times or in the midst of their own bad news. I've been, I've been working on changing this a little bit for me for a long time. I, I've always been the kind of person who wants to cheer people up when they're down. I thought that's what people always needed. Almost like an attempt to rescue or an attempt to always see the brighter side of things, the, the silver lining, we call it sometimes. I'm reminded of the closing song from the movie Monty Python's Life of, The Life of Brian. Do you know this, this movie? At the end, there's this song called Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. It's a very chipper song. And if you just heard the song on its own, you'd think it was a rather pleasant tune. I, I wonder if you've heard it. The chorus is pretty catchy. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Now, the verses of the song, and some of them, they're not G-rated, they go through this litany of kind of bad things that are happening and then always return to the reminder to always look on the bright side of life. Like I say, the tune is positive, it's uplifting, it's chipper, and it creates the backdrop for the closing scene of the movie. And it's being sung and whistled by an ensemble of men who are all being executed. There's, there's really no nice way to put this. And, and they're singing this song, this perfect time to sing the song, always look on the bright side of life. This has been me. This has been me. I, I know that there's much research about the benefits of positivity. And I don't want to discount that. But there is a difference between positivity and ignoring reality. There's a difference between always looking on the bright side of life and refusing to step into the darkness of pain, sorrow, sadness, fear, regret, grief, and the, and the multitude of emotions that are often part of our reality and our humanity. We can't just whistle those away. We can't whistle them away for ourselves and, and and we can't whistle them away for the people we love. Sometimes we can't and maybe shouldn't see the bright side. And maybe sometimes we don't need the reminder about the silver lining. In our text that Amy read this morning, Hulda doesn't whistle a comforting tune. In fact, Hulda doesn't ever seem to bring happy news. Those words that Amy read, those are the only words we ever hear from Hulda, all of them. And I'll confess that I almost changed to a different woman of the Old Testament this week. I chose Hulda several months ago, 
and through our current lens, I began to struggle with the text. But I decided to sit with the struggle a little bit and to see how my struggle with this difficult text could speak some truth into our lives. So, Hulda. We don't know a lot about Hulda. We have no details about how she behaved or acted and lived her life or anything really about who she is and her characteristics. We know a tiny bit about her family, and a lot of people have drawn a lot of conclusions about her based on her family and on those few words she utters. But what we know is that she was respected. Now we're jumping back about 700 years before Jesus. For generations, there had been terrible leaders in the divided kingdom. The southern kingdom of Judah is where we are. The country was in disarray, and they eventually chose an eight-year-old boy to be their king, King Josiah. It seems like an act of desperation, almost, like we've gone through all the other leaders. The interesting thing, though, about Josiah is that he turns out to be a devout and faithful man. After this series of terrible leaders, Josiah earnestly tries to do good. And after he's been king for about 18 years, and this would make a great scene in a movie, a priest finds a scroll that's been nestled in the middle of some old financial records. I love this. The priests examine the scroll, and what they determine is that it was what they call the Book of the Covenant. Now, there's some interpretation that scholars have done about what this means, but most conclude that it was the book of Deuteronomy. You know this book, the book that's filled with the earliest stories of God's faithfulness to God's people, but also God's instructions, the laws that God gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments among them. So after they make this grand discovery, Josiah asks the priests to read the book to him. And they do. And when Josiah hears the words from the book, he rips his clothes. Whenever you hear someone ripping their clothes in the Old Testament, it isn't because they want some new contemporary look. It's a sign of grief, a sign of mourning, a sign of deep sadness. Josiah tears his clothes because he knows that the people of his kingdom have strayed from God. They've been breaking all the rules. Josiah is despondent. He gathers his priests and advisors and he tells them to figure it out, to discern what God would have them do. There are five of them, five men, five of the top priests and advisors to the king. Now, this is also during the time of one of the most famous prophets, Jeremiah. But the men don't go to Jeremiah. And the men don't come to their own conclusions, at least they don't tell us, and I don't know why. There's, there's nothing in the text to indicate their reasons. Josiah told them, figure it out. And while there's nothing to indicate what they were thinking, I like to try and imagine it. I wonder if you can too. Were they afraid of being responsible for more bad news? Were they having trouble seeing a silver lining for Josiah? Did they, did they want to find someone who might bring a more comforting word to the panicked king? We don't know. All we know is that the scripture says that they went to the prophet Huldah, where they consulted her. 
And she speaks the truth. She speaks the truth and she doesn't sugarcoat it, does she? There, there, there's nothing in the text to indicate that these men said anything to her or that she had any way to know what the problem was or what their questions were. They showed up. She spoke. Bad news and all. She spoke the truth of the situation. She talked of the wayward people and she explains all the bad things that will happen because the people have strayed. And that's it. The men take this message back to Josiah and Josiah listens and he responds and, and actually he becomes a major reformer. He tries to right the ways of the people. She speaks some compassion and truth, divine direction into that grief that Josiah was experiencing when he heard that scroll read aloud. Speaking truth. That's what she does. She speaks truth in the moment. And speaking truth, especially difficult truth, is challenging. But, but this woman of the Old Testament, she spoke the truth. She answered the call like prophets before her, like the prophet Isaiah who said those words we sang earlier, here I am, Lord, send me. She answered the call to walk through the difficult and the challenging. Hulda could have chosen to try and smooth things over. She could have advised Josiah like so many other safe people had advised him and the kings before him told them to ignore the reality of the situation and enjoy life. Always look on the bright side. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, I think even in the midst of coronavirus, I've been guilty at times of focusing on the positive and not looking enough at the grief and loss that people are experiencing. I've, I've tried to be a cheerleader to keep us encouraged for the journey. And, and I don't think I'll stop doing that. But I also need to look at the courage of Hulda and recognize that there are times when we need to not run from the emotions we would rather avoid and smooth over. Sometimes we need to sit with them, cry with them, hold them, and recognize that God is with us even in the hard, or especially in the hard. Hope. Hope for a future is what we hold on to, a future that God declares has already been won for us. Hope, it, it leads us into our own future with the confidence of knowing that despite our current, despite our suffering and pain, or, or maybe even our afflictions, God's love will be the prevailing victor. Theologian Henry Nouwen writes that hope makes it possible to look beyond the fulfillment of early wishes and pressing desires and offers a vision beyond human suffering and even beyond death. This is the good news of, of Easter, the good news of resurrection, that, that we follow a God who tells us that death has no victory over us. We follow a God of good news, a God who desires that we would be a people of hope. But we also follow a God who in Jesus Christ wept with those who were sad and comforted those who were grieving. He befriended the outcasts. He brought healing to the suffering. He embraced his enemies. We follow a God who is present even in our darkness. And we can experience God more deeply when we allow ourselves, 
when we allow ourselves and one another the room to experience the reality of our condition, experience the reality of our present condition, whatever that may be. And it's then that hope and peace can be found within our suffering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.